You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, not much, Shane. I'm glad you're still here, unlike uh, the five stars in Georgia's 2018 recruiting class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a been a rough day. The old K curse is alive and well, son. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know what we're talking about, the latest out of Athens is the only thing we got on the Bulldogs. I know we covered them last time, but we had to hit this to start the show. Bretton Cox, five-star defensive end linebacker, has left the program and... Uh, to my knowledge, Kirby Smart, as of recording, has not really confirmed this, but uh, it's out there everywhere. Cox has jumped into the portal, Shane, and now he's the second five-star from the 2018 recruiting class, along with uh, Justin Fields that has left Georgia. They also had the top tight end, Luke Ford, the guy that went to Illinois. So uh, by no means is Georgia you know, falling apart here, but it is interesting that uh, this number one class, just you know, one season down the road, is missing some key pieces here. Have we heard anything? I mean, other than just speculation? Well, I know he got uh, arrested in the spring for smoking weed in the dorms, I believe it was. So if you want me to speculate, Shane, I would say, you know, after something like that, Kirby probably just told him, hey, man, we can't have any more drug arrests, you know, because this guy oh. was was not hurt. And, I mean, we're in training camp. They would, You wouldn't just boot a guy with this much promise without uh, – you know, I'm just, I haven't heard anything, but I'm just thinking he probably failed another drug test or something. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe just failed another drug test and he gave him an option. Either, A, you're getting kicked off this team, or B, you can hit the portal. So, yeah, that's what it sounds like to me, man. And the only issue here for Georgia, in my opinion, you know, they had, they've had issues rushing the passer. Cox really started to come on there at the end of his freshman season. He made some big plays in that Kentucky game that they just dominated, so... You know, it's not like this is their star player or anything, but I think he would have really been a, a nice piece moving forward. So it is certainly a loss, but, uh, you know, Georgia's got some studs replacing them. So it, it's not the end all, but still not a good sign here one week into camp. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. We hadn't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but 
I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over. And, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just um, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work. Hey, Shane, let's start here at Auburn. War damn eagle. We have actually some big news here as well on Monday because the star receiver for the Tigers, Shane Anthony Schwartz, arguably the fastest man in college football, broke his hand, according to reports, first reported by uh, 24-7, and he's had surgery to repair that. He may miss some time. I think anytime you're having surgery on your hand this late, or I guess I don't want to say late into camp, but into camp, uh, there's a there's an outstanding chance he's going to miss some time. So I'm already sweating my Auburn is going to be uh, bouncing <laughs> back after that. <laughs> and mine's looking a little sweeter, Mike. <laughs> I, I don't like injuries. I, I don't want to root for injuries or anything like that. But at least this is a, I don't know, something that I think we're going to be able to see him sooner than later. You know, it's not a leg injury or anything like that because I think he's still going to be a huge piece of that offense. Oh, yeah, and by no means they've not ruled him out or anything as far as I know for the Oregon game, so he could still come back, uh, depending on how bad this is, but hopefully it's not that bad. Uh, Some other injury updates from Auburn, Shane. Daquan Newkirk hurt his shoulder. He may miss the season, Shane, his defensive lineman. Another defensive lineman, Coynes Miller, also shoulder. He is out for now, but expected to be back by the start of camp. So that Auburn defensive line, they got some studs, Shane, but – uh, these are some of the backups here missing in action at, at this point in camp. You know, that's an issue, but uh, the real question mark on Auburn, Shane, the quarterback competition, everyone wants to talk about it. Gus Malzahn during uh, – this isn't his latest presser. This is actually the previous one. We wanted to get to this last episode, but we ran out of time. Uh, Gus Malzahn commented on the quarterback competition, and in addition to that, he also talked about really – throwing a lot at them and kind of forcing them into the system. I thought these were some interesting comments. Yeah, you know, we divided up and of course, uh, you know, Bo and Joey um, really got a lot of, a lot of the reps or really all the reps for the most part with the, the ones and twos and, you know, Cord got a chance to, to watch. We put him in there a little bit, but for the most part, he got the threes. And, you know, I thought it was good to get those guys out there. And I'm going to say this too, like, you know, install-wise in the past, it's, it's been a real slow process. Uh, we've been really slow as far as our install. Today we decided to throw a lot more at them, and uh, we feel like we got a veteran uh, group as far as our, our first group goes. Our quarterbacks, obviously, we threw a lot at them, but I think it's good. And I think for the most part, they handled uh, the installation pretty well. Um, you know, you can tell that they've really done a lot of work on their own this summer, and uh, that was encouraging to see. Yeah, it, we got a veteran offense. We got most of our guys back. I know the, the quarterbacks are young, but I just decided we're going to throw a lot at them, so we probably put about three or four more core plays, base plays on our first day. And um, like I said, I think for the most part, our quarterbacks handled it well. Uh, I know our first group um, handled it very well. Um, and they should. 
um, you know, our, our, our second group. Uh, there was probably a, a few growing pains, but that's okay. We've been talking about getting depth specifically on the offensive line. Um, you know, they're competing. They're competing for, for depth. And uh, so we want to challenge them guys too and see what they can do. All right, Shane. So I know obviously you got questions about the quarterbacks down here at Auburn. Of course, until we see these guys, it's, that's a fair you know question to ask. But big reason why I like Auburn surrounding that quarterback position, veterans all over the field. I just thought this was pretty interesting here. Gus Malzahn talking about you know everyone else is they know the offense. They're ready. They're basically ready for this season. We've got to get this guy, whoever it is under center, to not. You know, we're not going to crawl into this offensive scheme. We're just going to throw them into the fire and uh, see which one of them takes control. That's what you got to do, Mike. I'm telling you, this is if, – if Gus is going to figure out who the starting quarter – because the last thing you need is this thing bouncing around back and forth two or three games in. This is something that needs to be decided by week one. And throwing them in the fire at practice is how you do it. So all the crap I give Gus, so this is the one thing that I really like. Yeah, particularly, obviously, they're playing Oregon week one, so it might be different if they were playing Alabama A&M to start. You could maybe ease them into the offense, but they've got to be, whoever that quarterback is, Joey Gatewood, Bo Nix, they have got to be firing on all cylinders week one. So I, I, no, I really, I'm with you on this one. I really like what Auburn's doing here. Just got to keep those receivers healthy. <laughs> That's the big part. I just... I just, God, you hate to hear that. Did you hear how it happened? Was it in practice or was this outside? Uh, yeah, in practice. And another, there was actually another receiver, Shane, Eli Stowe, also injured during the weekend practice. Now, his is uh, not significant. I don't think he's going to miss any time. They may have to, you know, go cautiously with him during this week's practice, but he's not going to miss any game time or anything. But uh, Auburn's got a deep receiving core, but once you start losing, guys, you know, that yeah. depth gets tested pretty quick. Yeah. You ain't losing second stream here, Mike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, the other thing Gus Malzahn hit on, Shane, I wanted to get your thoughts on it, but, you know, obviously Auburn, they all off season, people talking about the schedule, how difficult it is. This is nothing new for Auburn. Obviously, you know, them in Tennessee, the only teams that annually play Alabama and Georgia in the SEC. Uh, they're playing Oregon, but in previous years, you know, they've scheduled Clemson. They've scheduled Washington. I mean, this is nothing new for the Tigers. So Gus Malzahn kind of hit on that during this presser. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. You know, I think the good thing uh, is it's really not a shock to our system. Uh, it may be a little tougher than last year's, okay, but it's still in that same category. So our guys understand uh, the grind, especially a, a being, having a veteran team. You know, I think the big picture, if you look at it big picture, it's the road games, the top teams that you go on the road. You know, that, that, that's really what's, what's on my mind as far as big picture. But just honestly, these guys, I mean, they're hungry. Uh, they're focused on our first game. Um, you know, from a head coach's standpoint, you got to worry about the big thing. But right now, I just want them focused on Oregon. Uh, Oregon's one of the top teams in the country. We're not playing at home or neutral site. And that'll be a good measuring stick, really, you know, where we're at this year. All right, Shane. So Gus Malzahn doesn't think his team's going to be phased by all this schedule talk. And uh, I have to think he's right because, I mean, they do it every season. Honestly, it's very similar to last year. I mean, other than what Tennessee and Florida swap, but you, instead of Washington, you're playing 
Oregon. So, I mean, it's almost identical. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's really going to play to Auburn's favor because, like I'm saying, I it's too early to make predictions, but I've been saying all offseason I think they're going to smoke Oregon, and a big reason is because I'm just not a big believer in uh, Oregon's a, potentially got all these offensive linemen that are outstanding, but being an outstanding lineman in the Pac-12 and being an outstanding lineman in the SEC are two <laughs> different things. So we just seem that time and time again. So if Auburn secures a – you know, it's not like they have to win by 50 points, but if they win comfortably against Oregon, that's going to give them a ton of momentum going into that SEC schedule. And I think that's kind of what Gus Malzahn's talking about here. And, of course, the last time Auburn won the SEC West, that's what it was. I mean, they got hot. They beat the hell out of Georgia. That gave them confidence two weeks later to beat the hell out of Alabama. Uh, so I think there's, um, you know, there's something to what he's going for here. Oh, for sure. And, but you got to remember, on the flip side of the coin, that's exactly what they had last year. And then it came to the LSU. What's it? What is their schedule after Oregon? It does not get easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it just seems like they get fired up sooner than most teams in the SEC. It's not the. It's not that they have a tough schedule. It's just that they have a tough schedule right out of the gate, you know? And here it is, Shane. So, obviously, week one, Oregon. But then they get back-to-back home games, Tulane and Kent State. They should be winning those. But then they go to A&M. Then they host Mississippi State. Then they go to Florida. So, that's – I mean, that's a gauntlet right there. Golly, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean – oh, man. Bless his heart. They're going to have to – I mean, they're going to have to figure it out. And that's what sucks is just, like – I think Auburn has all the pieces, even the quarterback, you know, and if this was, if these quarterbacks were on the team last year, I think we'd be talking a different story when you, you mention Auburn Tigers, you know what I'm saying? Right. But just the fact that you've got all these, these tough teams right out of the gate and, and you got quarterback controversy, going to be a freshman and no experience. And now your wide receivers are getting banged up. Uh, I don't want to go, panic mode or anything like that but it just i don't know my eyebrows are raised mike all right shane let's jump on down to starkville roll mississippi state joe moorhead he met with the media recently but you know he didn't really have much to say not a ton to contribute i did think the the most interesting thing from his first presser of uh, training camp here he's talking about his new staff and you know i know we've talked about these additions they lost quite a few guys but they also very quickly hired a lot of these guys on he's kind of singing these guys' praises particularly uh, Chris Marv the former Vanderbilt linebacker and then linebacker coach now he's obviously Joe Moorhead's linebacker coach who is very familiar with Bob Shoup uh, I, I don't know if we gave enough credit to the fact that when Joe Moorhead lost a guy it seemed like it took him about 24 to 48 hours to replace him and I mean being a Tennessee fan, you you saw offensive coordinator search going up two months there. So I think there's something to be said for Joe Moorhead uh, just basically having that Rolodex ready to go. And not only just, you know, it's one thing just to hire someone, but hiring great, really great coaches, uh, which it looks like he's done here on this staff. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. He, he was prepared. It felt like he was prepared. And I don't know if the other coaches weren't or – you know, let me ask you, Mike, do you think he got the guys he wanted or do you think that he was just filling a spot? He, he didn't want an empty spot type thing. I think 
I think he had a short list, but do you think he got everybody he wanted on that short list? Because I didn't hear of any coaches turning him down. Mm-hmm. No, I think when they turn around and they get him so quickly, he got exactly who he wanted. Uh, I think he's one of these guys that's meticulous enough to where, you know, if he if he loses a defensive coordinator, he's got five guys that he's ready to call. I'm not, say, I'm not saying he's going to get all of them, but, you know, he'll – He'll fill them out and see if they can get him down there. And, uh, you know, the more we get of Joe Moorhead, I know Mississippi State disappointed. He certainly disappointed me last year with his offense. But the more we see of his recruiting, the more we see of his program, of how they're, you know, bringing in these grad transfers and not only at quarterback but receiver and just how he's handling that transition to being a head coach, I really think Mississippi State got themselves a good one here. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, he's saying all the right things. The recruits are coming in. And it's it's just I want to see more of his offense. And mm-hmm. if he if he does that, and you watch Mississippi State this year, and it's more two dimensional, I, I think then then we know we got a hell of a coach here. Yeah, well, going to that offense, Shane. Obviously, it comes down to the quarterback play, where they didn't really get that consistent passing game last season. Now they got Tommy Stevens and Keaton Thompson to try to solve that in the quarterback competition. Tommy Stevens met with the Mississippi State media for the first time since uh, joining the program, and he spoke on Monday. And I thought this was uh, particularly interesting, Shane, because you could imagine there would be some kind of animosity maybe. I don't know if that's probably too strong of a word, but according to Tommy Stevens, he's been helping Keaton, and Keaton's been helping him. I thought this was kind of interesting. Kind of going off of that, Keaton was just saying that he's been helping you a little bit and vice versa, you've been helping him. How how much of that is – you helping him, and how much does he have to help you with some of the nuances of the offense? Yeah, no, I think that it's important um, to have that sort of dynamic, and I, I, I re- can relate it a lot to um, you know when me and Trace McSorley were, were battling for the uh, for the job at Penn State, and um, the you know relationship that we were able to keep as you know things progressed after we won the job, and um, you know I think that having that kind of um, I guess like dynamic or that kind of relationship with not only you know him but the other quarterbacks in the room that you know regardless obviously there's only going to be one starting quarterback but um, you know if all of us can work together and you know one way or another help uh, whichever guy is the starter that's you know, that's the most important thing and so um, I know we were able to do that at Penn State and you know everything that I've been shown so far leads me to believe we'll do the same thing here. All right, Shane. So you know I, I guess. <laughs> I don't say I was totally surprised by these comments, but I think it's a great sign for Mississippi State that they've embraced this guy and it just sounds like they just want to win down there. And I know obviously Keaton wants to win the starting job, but I think it's great that his teammates are buying in and that they're helping each other in uh, this training camp. Why are you always lying? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, you ain't rooting for this kid. Keaton doesn't like you. You don't like Keaton. This is a competition, man. The pads are thumping right now, and he wants to win this position. And if he's, if he, if you honestly believe that this man that got beat out at Penn State by a quarterback is coming down here just to be buddies with Keaton and help him out, man, you, you, you got – I'll, I'll sell you a, what they say, oceanfront property in Arizona. I've got it, you know, because that's not happening here. These guys are competitors. I mean, when you're Division One football, you are a competitor. And, yes, I think you could be a good teammate. But when it comes to that quarterback room, man, it's, it's cutthroat. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I I agree with a a lot of what you're saying, but I think at the same time, there's a really good chance Joe Moorhead plays both these guys on the field at the same time. We've seen that in his offense. And let's say Keaton wins the job, but, you know, God forbid he gets hurt week two or three or whatever, and Tommy Stevens has got to come in there. These these teammates are not going to rally around him if he's backstabbing Keaton in the race. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I'm not saying backstabbing. I'm just like – I don't think they're helping each other out fundamentally here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they're they're doing their reps. They're going to the classes together. They're doing their groups together. I think, I mean, it's hard not to become buddies with somebody you're hanging out with all the time. But I just, I don't, I, I don't, I never understood this, you know, unless you just are satisfied with a backup role. Mm-hmm. I don't see you uh, mentoring your, your potential, you know, threat for your job. So. Yeah, you may be right here because that's not the only comments we have from Tommy Stevens here. He was asked about his plan to win the starting job. That's why he's down here at Mississippi State. That's why he's down here with Joe Moorhead. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, I mean, yeah, that's my mindset. But at the same time, um, you know, even post, uh, you know, them naming Trace the starter, that really never left for me at least. Um, You know, every day I would come in there at Penn State, every day I'd come in and try to treat things as, as if I were the starting quarterback. And so, um, you know, I, I think that that helped me kind of develop in a way where, um, you know, maybe I didn't get as much game experience as I would have wanted, um, but still approaching things like practice and film study as the starting quarterback really um, helped me grow. So um, not that anything's changed, but, yeah, I've continued to, I guess, carry that. All right, Shane, so maybe by the end of this, Tommy Stevens press availability – the truth started coming out a little bit here. Maybe this is more what you're looking for, but uh, I don't know. I thought this was, uh, you know, it's, I sense just a confidence with this Tommy Stevens, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's right, Mike. Tell the truth Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, you know, he doesn't want to be that X factor that comes in. He wants to be a quarterback and, and that's what they, they wanted him down here for. And, Honestly, I think that's why Joe wanted him here. He wants a quarterback, which makes me wonder what's going to happen with Keith. What do you think would happen if Touchdown Tommy takes this job and Keaton doesn't see the field at all? Do you think he stays with Mississippi State? No, I think he would leave. Yeah. Go up there with uh, Hugh Freeze at Liberty or something, you know? <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Maybe something like that, or, you know, I could see – this is going to be a situation potentially similar to the Kelly Bryant where, you know, they let it play a couple games and then he he leaves after he's played four games So because he, Keaton's never been redshirted. So he would be a very attractive candidate in the transfer pool. But, you know, I would imagine Joe Moore does not necessarily want that to happen, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, Keaton Thompson also met with the media, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And he was asked about, the off season there in Starkville and just Joe Moorhead kind of, if he, you know, what he exactly he told him about Tommy Stevens coming in there. Oh, uh, well, our coaches, you know, uh, let us know uh, ahead of time that uh, they might, uh, he may or may not be coming in. And uh, I feel like they communicated that well to us, um, all of the quarterbacks. And uh, that was that. When it's a done deal and Tommy comes in, does that put more pressure on you to go up there and show the coaching staff what you can do? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, like I said, it's always competition, and you always want to go out and get better, you know, regardless of who's who's out there behind you or who's in front of you. You still want to get better and be the best player that you can be. 
So I thought Keaton handled this pretty well, Shane. It was interesting that both these guys met with the media on the same day. I guess, I don't know if that's typical of a quarterback competition to put these guys out in front of the media, but I think he kind of had to do it with Tommy Stevens because he was a newcomer and the media wants to discuss things with him. And you can't throw out one without throwing out the other because then I think you're tipping your hand in the competition there. I think you're right. And and I'm kind of surprised myself uh, because you see this with the other coaches not letting one quarterback come out or both quarterbacks to come out until they've got a decision back there. So this is actually pretty interesting. Pretty, I mean, you don't see this much. So um, I think Joe's embracing this quarterback challenge, man. <laughs> quarterback challenge. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Where they don't have a quarterback competition, but there was some concern here on Monday because both Kelly Bryant and Albert O, their outstanding tight end, both left practice due to injury. Now they're saying neither, neither one of these is serious, but anytime, I mean, if Kelly Bryant goes down this I don't know. I don't. I think the season's basically done. You stop appealing that bull ban, and Albert yeah. O. He was. He's been hurt on and off throughout his career, so he's a huge piece too. But let's hope and pray these guys are all right. But uh, thoughts on just hearing these two leaving practice due to injury? Uh, a lot of Missouri fans moving to the edge of their seat right now. You know, mm-hmm. combing through those uh, message boards trying to figure <laughs> out what's going on. So. Um, but we haven't heard anything definitive here. Nobody's came out and said, I mean, I think the, I think they have kids gloves on with, with some of these guys like these, you know, these cats in Roundtree and, and whatnot. So I think if, if they've got any type of pain, even if it's not serious, I think they're going to pull them just to be safe. Because like you said, they're such an important piece of this offense, especially Kelly. I mean, if Kelly's gone, Dude, that changes everything. Vegas is going to be loaded, man. You know what I'm saying? Hitting these odds. Yeah, no, they got us on that over-under. They yeah. knew what they were doing all along. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like Nancy Kerrigan, somebody got got him on the sideline. <laughs> but I, I think you make a good point because, you know, Kelly Bryant, as soon as he came to Missouri, they basically anointed him the starter. He didn't even have to earn it because they, he's far and away the best player. Albert O, you already know what you're getting in him, so – you don't really even need these guys at practice. Obviously, Kelly Bryant needs to get acclimated to the offense and understand what Derek Dooley is asking him to do. But, uh, he, I mean, he can do that on the sideline, I, I would yeah. imagine. Absolutely. Now, sticking with the Tigers, Shane, Barry Odom, I thought this was pretty interesting. He was asked in his first presser of the spring about uh, the fact that, you know, they just lost one of the you know, record-setting quarterbacks of the program's history. Obviously, they got Kelly Bryant, but uh, he was asked about the team's chemistry and their energy and just their togetherness, and I think this kind of goes hand in hand. I don't even know if it would be this good without that bowl band that really tied this thing together. He didn't go to the bowl band, but uh, I liked Odom's comments here. Even with a new, highly publicized quarterback, it seems this team is really together and, and stuck together, a new leader, but through everything of the offseason. Why is that? But you look at the culture on the guys that we've recruited. You look at the culture and the, the direct ownership that we have on who we want to be. What's our DNA? You know, the experiences that these guys have formed together. It's a brotherhood built on love and trust and honesty. And, uh, you know, we're, we know we're going to have adversity. That, that's the name of the game. That's life. And um, so we're building things to create 
lifelong relationships, but also put our guys in position to understand it's so bigger than, than us. We represent something a lot bigger than ourselves. Coach, you got guys like Kelly, Jonathan Johnson, I'm also thinking of, they just never stop moving out there. Is that energy contagious for everybody else? It is, it's awesome. And you can read a lot through body language. It's the most powerful language in, in the world. Uh, and you know we've got to make sure that through you know you throw an interception and and how do you bounce back from that because all eyes are on that position uh, and how if you fumble the ball you know if you get beat deep for a touchdown what is the response you know if you let that play affect the next one then then we're not a very mentally tough team and I think we are a mentally tough team uh, I think we've got grit I think we've got toughness now are we to the standard that we need to to kick the season off and be ready for it not yet but we'll get there all right, Shane, so this kind of goes with uh, why Missouri, I think, is such a popular pick. You know, there's not a ton of high school All-Americans on this team, but that's not how Missouri builds it. They, it's a developmental program. They use a lot of these guys, juniors, seniors, and red shirts at that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, this team, they, they seem like a team on a mission, don't they? Yeah, and they're peaking at this time. You know, this is it. Everything that that Odom's put into this team is starting to get to the top right here. So this is the best that you're going to get from Mizzou. And uh, it just sucks with everything going on. And I know that's helped team chemistry. I think it's helped with Kelly coming on. It's just this little, this bowl band thing is just so dumb. And uh, I think they're ruining a good thing here for Missouri. Well, Missouri. <laughs> Let me finish that. Let me finish that word, Missouri. <laughs> Sorry, I said Missouri, Mizzou. Yeah, it's going to be a tough day in Columbia if they get the bad news. You know, we really hope they don't. I think it's, you know, we've been, we've covered this time and time again. But at least they're saying all the right things. It looks like everything is going in the right direction. They're trending up. They're going to be, you know, a difficult task for everyone to handle in the SEC East this year, even Georgia potentially particularly if they're damn undefeated going into Athens, their their confidence is going to be sky high. And that's something with all these people jumping on the bandwagon heading into the season. Barry Odom was also asked about that. I thought he gave a really good answer to the expectations here at Missouri. Sure. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you, if, if you're a competitor, you, you embrace it and also know that you know, it's for us internally, the expectations haven't changed. Uh, no matter what's said on on the outside, we want to make sure that we're our best. That's all I'm asking our guys to do, and everything that we do, our habits of, of being our best. If we do that, then we'll have a chance. And if they slip in any in any way, then that'll be that'll be exposed in you know in the in the crunch time when you need it. So uh, I like our group, like I said early on, uh, but we've we've got a lot of work to do too. All right, Shane, some coaches like to downplay it. Barry Odom, it seems like they're embracing the challenge as competitors. Well, if you ain't got a bowl, every game's a bowl game, Mike. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I, this is what you do. You come out, and you, if you can't get in a bowl, you're going to disrupt everything else in the conference. So uh, I think that's the kind of chip that they'll have on the shoulder until we hear something back from this band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just really interested to see how it plays out because, you know, they do have an easier schedule. Certainly, we, that's something we both favor, but it's but it's an interesting schedule because they're traveling to Wyoming. Certainly don't think they're going to lose that game, but it, it's just weird playing at Wyoming week one. They got teams like Troy, who's a very, very underrated team. So uh, they're going to have to be kind of – Firing all all cylinders to live up to this hype, but it seems like they're they're very much embracing it, which I think is the right approach. Absolutely. 
I, I, it seems like Troy's upsetting somebody every year, you know? Right. I mean, obviously, That's... LSU they beat. They nearly beat Clemson the year they won the national championship on with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, I think there's one other team. They, they beat like a top 20 team last season. So, I mean, that's not a team you want to fool with. No, absolutely not. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Texas A&M. Giga Maggots. Well, old Jimbo Fisher, Shane, he was talking a fast. <laughs> and I struggled to find something interesting here because it wasn't a ton to, to glean from from his two, first two practices. He seems kind of, I don't even know if it's quiet confidence, but he just doesn't seem he wants to reveal anything. He doesn't want to praise anyone. He's saying Kellen Mond sucks, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's downplaying the entire roster, and I think he's doing that for a reason. But uh, the best thing I got out of Jimbo Shane hit the goals of training camp down at College Station. I thought this was kind of interesting. Coach, what do you want to get done in these first few practices before you put the pads on? Learn what to do, how to line up, and to execute. Still, no matter what you have pads on or not, you still got to execute. You got to throw and catch. You got to step the right way, put your hands the right place, hat the right place. On defense, have your eyes on the right guy and the right leverages and your hand. I mean, all that, whether hands or not, you still got to play the same technique and you, fundamentals. Listen, at the end of the day, we can brag about everything you want how we block, how we tackle how we leverage the ball, how we uh, take care of the ball or create turnovers on the other side. Those things are all, I mean, it still gets down to fundamentals. All right, Shane. So you kind of see what I'm saying about here. I mean, he's all about fundamentals. He's all about the basics. And I think that's, you know, that's what the good coaches preach during this time of year, because the way the rules are, this is one of the few times they get these players without uh, time constraints. So they got to really focus on these issues heading into the season. And uh, Jimbo clearly knows what he's doing, but uh, do you agree with me that he's kind of, uh, you know, he's being very reserved here? Well, I don't know if it's that. I will tell you, out of all the coaches I listened to this week, he's probably the least excited. You know, like you, you, you listen to these coaches, oh, we're pumped up, we're doing great, they're doing fantastic. That clip you just played was the longest damn sentence he said in the press conference, and it revealed nothing. So Mm -hmm. the only thing that I got from it was, you know, I don't know if the Mon comment was just to to rattle Mon or if this was just the truth, like he's upset with practice. It just felt like Nick Saban was up there for a second. You know what I'm saying? Because he just didn't, didn't reveal anything. And uh, the best comment he made was about the true freshman that showed up. And it was almost like, well, at least they came to play, you know? Yeah, so let's jump to that Fisher on his young guys. And he gave an interesting answer here as well about, you know, when the light essentially turns on for these guys. And uh, I, I really liked his response here. Do you have an internal time clock of when those young guys are supposed to get it, or is it just good? No, yeah, I wish I did know. <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd been a lot better along you. As soon as you think you got that figured out, they're all tricky. So, no, you don't. You just play and see and see what you do and see what, you know, all of them. And all of them have a different timetable. I mean, and it doesn't mean because early in their careers, one gets it quicker than the other. He, he may be better in the long run. I mean, it's just who adapts, who adjusts, who goes through the whole – you know, it could be background issues about, you know, what offense you play, type of an offense you played in a different type of an offense or a defense or, a, you know, whatever. I mean, there's multiple reasons. So, you know, you just got to be patient and and uh, hope they get it quick. All right, Shane, if the Texas A&M is going to exceed expectations, and not, not even that the expectations are low this season, but they're paying this guy a ton of money. They just came off a very solid debut of under Fisher, and mm-hmm. fans in College Station are expecting more. 
if that's going to come true, they're going to need a lot of young pieces to show up and be ready to play. And, uh, you know, Fisher was not really ready to say any of them are, have, have arrived, essentially. But he just kind of, I don't know, I, I just kind of thought this was interesting, his thoughts on the freshmen, because I think almost like Mon, he, he's trying not to build them up before he tears them down, you know? Yeah, that's it. He's got a big freshman class in, so he is, I mean, obviously he's excited about the talent that he has there, but I'm I'm with you, man. It just kind of felt, it kind of felt off on this one. So I don't know if he's, if he's just being a little bit more reserved or if he was upset or something. I mean, it's day one. Who? How can you be upset, Jimbo? You know, unless it's mm-hmm. over a hundred degrees all day long, then maybe he's just tired. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, you know, one comment that really stuck out to me that kind of echoed what you're talking about, you know, they got uh, the tight end name, last name Cup. I, I can't think of his first name, but I believe he's the number one tight end in the nation. And he was asked about uh, him dropping a pass and saying, well, he's just a freshman, right? That's bound to happen. He's like, no, that <laughs> that's not supposed <laughs> to happen. You know, it's like nothing, he's, no excuses, not even for a freshman first day at camp. And, uh, I don't know. He just seems like he's really pushing these guys right now. And, you know, maybe like Gus Malzahn, we talked about with his offense, throwing those freshmen in the fire. Maybe he's doing that with all his other players because obviously week two of the season at Clemson, I mean, they do not have time to for these freshmen to come along slowly. Do you do you think he's stressed? Like, I mean, I know all coaches are stressed about the upcoming season, but do you think there's just a little bit extra on Jimbo as far as expectations because they had a great season last year. They got a tough schedule this year. They've already – I think they got them 11th in the coaches' poll. You know, mm-hmm. there's it's, right. it seems like they're talking about Mon left and right. Do you think that he's a little bit more stressed going into this season than he was last? Yeah, because there's more expectations now, and I think it's going to be very difficult for them to meet those expectations, finish as a top 11 team. Not saying they can't do it. They certainly can, especially if Kellen Mond takes a big jump. But it's almost like he's afraid that these guys have been kind of reading the press clippings a little too much. They've they've enacted a uh, social media ban, as far as I understand it. So <laughs> no one's allowed to get on there and, and be talking trash or reading, reading their press clippings. So I just think he's kind of laying down the law right now, going into a, a, you know, a critical training camp with some really tough teams right out the gate. And, uh, you know, he obviously knows what he's doing, so I'm not questioning him. But it is very interesting that uh, it's almost like he's he's angry to be there. <laughs> yeah, he is. And he, he told – somebody asked him, you know, about some some of the starters and stuff. And he – one thing that I did like what he said, he goes, man, this is week zero. There there are no starters. We're, we need to identify who we are and then we'll fill in those spots as we go. So it's almost like it's just open season down there, and and he's maybe he's he's trying to get some of these freshmen to go. May, who knows? We may see more freshmen play for the Aggies this year than we have in a long time. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Oxford. Auditorio, miss. Finally, finally, Shane, we've been waiting all offseason. We're, we're finally hearing some trash talk <laughs> from some of these people. We'll get to that in just a second, but uh, – Matt Luke met with the media recently for the first time, and uh, obviously that Memphis game, so huge on the schedule, but uh, let's jump to Matt Luke talking about getting his young players ready because you look up and down this roster, Shane, there's going to be freshmen and sophomore all over. I mean, the entire quarterback room 
All three scholarship guys are freshmen. I've never heard of such a thing in the SEC, but uh, Matt Luke on trying to get his young players ready for the season. Coach Rodriguez was talking about how sometimes, you know, the thing you don't know with freshmen is, is how they're going to do that first time they're out there. And obviously the Memphis game is very important for sure. you all. How, is there, are there any tricks or are there any things you're going to try to try to simulate how they might act out there and to get that crazy moment out of the way? Like, what, what's that like? Well, you know, I think it is tough to go out there and play underneath the lights, but you just you simulate it as much as you can in practice. You know, out there in the scrimmages, they're going to be playing against some really good D linemen in practice and in those scrimmages. And so you throw them out there and you step back, get the coaches off the field. You don't tell them what to do. And you go out there and you put them in as many of those situations and those scrimmages as you can. And that, that's as close to the game as you can get. So I think simulating it, uh, you know, with one-on-one -on -one pass rush, putting them out there in the scrimmages in the stadium, I think, I think that'll be very important for the young guys. All right, Shane. So this is clearly the big challenge of training camp in Oxford, getting these guys, because there's, like I said, they're, they're an underdog to Memphis for God's sake. And then they're, hosting Arkansas week two. There's much like uh, some of these other teams like Auburn and Texas A&M, there is no time for these young guys to get acclimated to the college game. So they're going to have to do it now. Uh, so that's kind of why I really wanted to highlight these comments. You know, man, I, I give Luke a hard time, but one thing that I like about him is just his background and pedigree. I mean, he's a lineman through and through. So if anybody's going to figure out this offensive line, it's going to be Coach Luke. So I like that he's more hands-on with that uh, with that group because that's where it all starts, man. It's all in the trenches, and then you build out. And speaking of the offensive line, I do want to make this note because it's such a big player for them. But Alex Givens, Matt Luke on Monday, did give an update on his status. Remember, he had to have a procedure. He's sitting out at training camp. They hope to have him back for the Memphis game. He is going to see a specialist in Jackson, according to Luke. I don't know if that's good or bad. He didn't say it as a bad thing, but uh, that's just the latest with that. And uh, they're clearly going to need him for that Memphis game. And that's something Luke hit on as well during this presser, just on how big this opening season game is against a rival in the Memphis Tigers. So let's hear what Luke had to say here. It's a, it's a huge game. It's a big game for us, especially with all the young players that we have going into it. Uh, you know, Memphis is a great football team. They've done they've done a really good job, but it, it'll it'll be a challenge. They give you a lot of different formations, a lot of unbalanced, a lot of different looks to try to get you out of a gap. So, we'll ha we'll have to be sound, and it, it'll be a huge challenge. But uh, I think having a team like that to get prepared for helps you. I think it helps you with your sense of urgency and getting ready to go right out of the gate. All right, Shane. So Luke's really looking forward to this game, and you know, <laughs> I mean, I've even said it on this podcast. I think the it's kind of joking, but half not. The winner of this game's coach at Ole Miss next season. So uh, Matt Luke knows what's on the line at this one, I think. Oh, dude, and they are back and forth on Twitter, man. This one, <laughs> I, I've got my popcorn ready. These guys are ready, and I don't know. Who knows? Man, coach Luke may have like 15 dummy accounts. He's tweeting for Memphis. Just get these guys fired up, you know? <laughs> but uh, they're getting ready, man. And if you got something like that, you got a goal. That's what's really nice about this game. This is such an important game just because they're right next to each other. There's a lot of there, – there's people that are house divided in this area. And the fact that they meet week one, so that makes fall camp just a little bit more special. we got three weeks for – Ole Miss and Memphis, and this just gives those boys something to look forward to, a little extra pep in their te uh, step, you know, and then when they get to the end of the practice and they're exhausted, you know, they know that a little team up the street is calling them little brother, and it's just going to make 
I think it's going to get more out of the players, and Coach Luke's just using it to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Now you reference it there, Shane, for anyone that didn't catch it. Jalen Jones, Ole Miss defensive back, is likely going to start at safety. He dropped the dreaded little brother reference on Ole Memphis. <laughs> I kind of get that they're like the little brothers to us and whatever, and they got some type of um, anger towards us, and it's just a little a little rivalry. I don't, I really wouldn't call it that, but honestly, for me, I'm just taking it as a normal game. But uh, I understand they're going to come, and we're going to come too. It's the first game, so I know they feel like they don't get the respect because they're not in the SEC or whatever. So, I mean, I know they're going to come hard, try to prove something, and they're going to show us. All right, Shane, I like to see this passion and fire. <laughs> I know some of the coaches may not want to hear this, but uh, fans and, and guys like us, we love to hear this. This is the fire we expect week one. So, uh, you know, why, why be coy and pretend it's not there three weeks before the game, you know? Football needs this, Mike. It's a shame. It's a dirty shame. That Ole Miss and Miss and Memphis are the only two that are just <laughs> fighting with each other. I want to hear. Uh, I want you know Georgia's not talking to Florida. Florida's you know they'll be off the social thing. You won't hear from them. I love the fighting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, we just need more of it, and I think coaches lose track of that. Well, Shane, good news is it's going both ways. Oh, old Memphis defensive lineman. I do not. I have no idea how to say this. Coyote. Olandel, he's talking some trash too, Shane. He's mad that uh, apparently Ole Miss recruited him, but obviously he ended up at Memphis. Try to understand what this guy has to say here. Um, it's really a point of game for me because I was recruited by Ole Miss, and um, so I'm really, really to put my feet on their face when we play them. Why do you want to do that? Uh, because I want to make the coach that was recruiting me remember my name again. Mm-hmm. What will it take to get him to remember you? Uh, make plays, talk with his quarterback, and, you know, stop them. All right, Shane, this was a little broken up, but if you if you couldn't quite understand that, he said he wanted to step on Ole Miss's face. Thoughts on uh, Memphis talking trash to the Rebels now? Sounds like me and my brother fought when I was three, you know. I'm going to put my <laughs> foot in your face, boy, you know. <laughs> Better not go tell mom on me, so – uh no I, I i like it it's it's coming on both ends so that you know we got memphis going uh, now we got old miss fighting back and forth this is this is college football man this is what it's all about yeah and for anyone saying the week one slate is a little weak no no there's just there's games on here you just need to pay attention to them and old miss memphis is going to have uh aside from auburn oregon it's probably got my main attention oh yeah all right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where we don't have a ton to go off of here. They, the Tigers have not done a, a lot of media availability since we last got some Coach O comments. But one comment really stood out to me that I wanted to reference here. Steven Sullivan, Shane, the former receiver, shifted to tight end. And uh, I really liked what Coach O had to say here on Steven Sullivan's move to tight end. Yeah, uh, I think uh, watching watching Jimmy Graham plays with uh, with Joe Brady kind of sold, you know, really. And uh, we can do the same things that we did with Jimmy Graham with Stephon. I'm not saying he's that, but we're doing the same type of plays, and he can be the same type of player. So I think he's totally bought into that, and uh, I think that's the big reason. All right, Shane, obviously Joe Brady comes from the New Orleans Saints, so of course you're going to hear that Jimmy Graham comparison. Now, there's only – you know, so few guys like Jimmy Graham, but this Stephen Sullivan, Shane, 
top 150 prospect, six foot five, 230 pound receiver. So he's built like Jimmy Graham. And, you know, most college fans are always complaining about how their teams don't use the tight end enough. It was even worse for LSU in recent seasons because Irv Smith, from I believe he's from Baton Rouge, or he's from the area there, played for Alabama because LSU didn't want him. Now they got their guy that could potentially be a game changer at tight end. We've been talking up this LSU offense. It could be a whole nother level if they've got an elite receiving tight end, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but are we talking Green Bay, Jimmy, or are we talking, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because after he left the Saints, you know, he kind of fell apart. And and Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy, I love him. It, I've had him on a few of my fantasy teams when he was great, mm-hmm. you know. But he's they've got a similar frame, you know. Jimmy's, I think, six seven two. I think he's got about thirty pounds on this cap. But you know, it's I I don't think it. I don't think he was trying to compare him and Jimmy. Just the role that Jimmy had on the Saints is what what Coach, I think, was trying to shoot for. And and that's intriguing. Um, that's something that I thought we would see more in the college football. Mm-hmm. And, and it really hasn't bled over as much as I thought it would. Because when Jimmy, uh, Grok, and all these guys, and now you've got Cap for the Chiefs and stuff, you know, these – they're just these X fact. I just thought that we would see more of this in college uh, when those guys started exploding in the NFL. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Nashville. Take it down. Final update here, Vanderbilt. Uh, we don't get to do as much Commodore stuff as we want. There's there's not often uh, content to go off of here, but Derek Mason had a uh, presser recently to open training camp, and one of his comments really stuck out to me, Shane. I thought these were some great comments. Never heard a coach talk quite like this, but old Derek Mason, he says his team needed a quarterback competition. Quarterbacks will be off limits, uh, you know, until until I give, uh, uh, you know, some context to that. I, I just want to make sure for these guys that uh, they're about practice right now. They got to make sure uh, that, that they uh, worry about what they need to focus on. And I'm going to take a lot of pressure off these guys and let these guys just compete and have some fun. But it'll, you'll, you'll, You'll be able to understand exactly where they are. Hopefully, you get a chance to watch practice. Hopefully, I mean, you get a chance to talk to some of their teammates. But I'm sure their teammates will talk more about you know where they are than they will about the quarterback battle. Uh, you know that's going to happen. It's part of it. It's, it's it's a great thing to be a part of. We need a quarterback battle. You know, I mean, and and that just talks about the talent that's in the room. But excited about fall camp, offense, defense, special teams. Uh, uh, it's a great learning time. We're going to be about the here and now and. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks down the road, man, man, we'll start to push on to an opponent. But right now, man, we got to work on us, and that's what we're going to do. Why do you say this team needs a quarterback battle? Yeah, man, we we, we do. Uh, I mean, that's what's present. I think, uh, you know, it's exciting right now because a lot of other positions are, are, are really spoken for. But I think, you know, with the excitement, you know, of the quarterback position, and when you have two quarterbacks, you know, a guy doesn't really necessarily, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you know, who is a starting quarterback? They don't know. So, uh, you know, whoever's throwing to you or, you know, man, who's ever play calling, that guy may be interested in looking at who you are, what you do. It just raises everybody's, you know, man, man, level of awareness as to details and what they need to do because they know that there's a battle. And hopefully uh, they're, they're trying to ride the coattails of one of these two guys at some point in time to know and understand that, that that's my guy and, 
you know, and hopefully because I've been able to establish that I'm trustworthy and, you know, we have some chemistry, it moves, it, it just brings a different type of mood and element to practice. All right, Shane, so what do you make of these comments? Like I said, I never heard something like this, but, uh, you know, we've, we've referenced all the pieces that Vanderbilt has on offense that are elite as far as the SEC goes, but there's a complete question mark at quarterback. Uh, thoughts on Derek Mason saying the, the Commodores needed a quarterback competition? Honestly, I thought this was the dumbest comment he made, in my opinion. Who wants a quarterback competition? You know, if anything, I'd want competition – at my left tackle spot, I'd want competition at my defensive tackle spot, maybe a cornerback, two guys duking it out. Mm -hmm. But the guy that's going to touch the football every single down, and we don't know who it is, and you're embracing it. Uh, nah, this this did not, you know, because I, th I think that they do have a lot of weapons, and I think whoever they put back there is going to be successful. But nobody wants a quarterback challenge. That's where you're wrong, Shane, because while everybody's everybody's zigging, Vanderbilt's zagging, Shane. <laughs> Did you hear Gus get on here and say, you know what, I like that we got two quarterbacks down here, you know? No, they're, they're, hell, we're trying to name it as quick as possible, you know? Same thing in Arkansas, same thing, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's everywhere. And then Mason's up here saying, you know what, I kind of like it, you know? <laughs> it's like, what? No, you don't. You want one guy to shine, and you want him to shine early so that he can get the most reps in fall ball. Mm -hmm. Now, that does make a lot of sense, Shane, but I just thought it was so unusual. That's why I kind of wanted to go there. I wonder if he's trying to send a message to some of these guys that they're going to be counting on to push them further. Maybe I'm kind of reaching with that comment, but I don't know. Something's cooking here at Vanderbilt, and if they make the right decision, if this quarterback competition pays off around the team – uh, Commodores are going to have one of the most underrated offenses in the SEC. Oh, for sure. No, I, I do agree with that. It's just, you know, this one, Coach Mason is probably like the best at the podium, and this one just caught me off guard just because I, I wasn't expecting that answer. And, you know, something he said he, that he hopes that it will create more awareness from the players, you know. And, and I don't know if he's talking more fundamentals like, you know, when you got to run a 10 and out, you go 10 and out. You don't go 11 and out. But, you know, see, that's where it kind of gets skewed with team chemistry. If you've got multiple quarterbacks, maybe one quarterback a 10 and out is technically a 11 and out. You know, that's where he's usually putting the ball or something like that. So uh, maybe this is just to help, you know, maybe that was his angle is that this is going to make sure that the uh, players around him are going to stick to their jobs and fundamentals. So that's the only thing I can grab from it. <laughs> All right, Shane, that's going to do it for this episode. We went a little long. We got a lot of teams to cover here, but uh, you got anything before we hop off here? No, Mike, that's that's all I got right now. Uh, we're going to do uh, probably some mailbag, and uh, we've got a ton of reviews we'll get into tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But uh, other than that, no, I'm good, man. All right, Shane, thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Remember to give us uh, five-star hearts, rate us on iTunes, all that stuff. All that really helps us out. We really appreciate it. So I'll catch you on the next one, Shane. See you guys. Go Vols.
you know, you've got this next four weeks to prepare, or I'm sorry, four weeks. Where have I been, Mike? Let me do this over. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks, or two and a half. Well, how many days did we weigh on them? I think it's uh, 25, right? right? Mm-hmm. So three weeks. Golly, Mike. Oh, let me try that again. <laughs> let me just scrap it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not even drinking. You know, that's the thing. Damn, I'm so, I'm, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> All right. You would think that they would have more of that in the. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can mute it out. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, this isn't, this isn't difficult. All right, Shane, that's going to do it for this episode. We went a little long. We got a lot of teams to cover here, but uh, you got anything before we hop off here? Yeah, buddy, got a couple of reviews. Actually, actually can we uh, hold off on those? Fuck you. <laughs>